0: Well, we're just weeks out from the Albanese government releasing its Defence Strategic Review, and we may just have a sneak peek of what's to come from the biggest defence shake-up in decades... Australia's Chief of Air Force is pushing for low-cost killer drones to boost the RAAF's capacity. Air Marshal Rob Chipman told his foreign counterparts and defence leaders that the war in Ukraine demonstrated the importance of air superiority. Now, those comments came ahead of this week's Avalon Air Show, where uh, a new Australian-designed lethal drone has just been publicly showcased for the first time. And we understand that uh, Russian and Chinese uh, military counterparts weren't invited to the air show today. John Blaxland is a professor in intelligence studies and international security at the ANU and a former army colonel. Uh, welcome to you, John. How, just how urgently do we need these drones in terms of a uh, capability perspective?
1: So, yeah, thanks for having me on the program. So it's important to put in context, we have a uh, high-tech honed professional but boutique defence force. We have an air force of 100 fighters, an army of three combat brigades and some special forces and a dozen or so warships. That is a fraction of what most of our neighbours have. Uh, most of our Asian neighbours have. Uh, And it is a fraction of the size of the armed forces we had in earlier times. So in in the Second World War, for instance, we had a, just in army terms, we had 14 divisions in January 1943. We've got one and a half today. Um, But in terms of air power, uh, you know, there's that saying, quantity has a quality all of its own and we just don't have the quantity. So the war in Ukraine has demonstrated amongst other things that you really do need to have uh, more than we've got if you want to be serious about um, having a a defence force that can be treated seriously by uh, potential adversaries. And of course, the other thing is that we've got these whizbang F-35 joint strike fighters that are incredibly expensive. And, uh, you know, do you really want to put them in harm's way or do you want to put a drone in harm's way instead? Ah, because so, that's, so, why they, so that's, that's why we're be, going for drones. So
0: is that why the Air Force Chief, uh, Rob Chipman, says that those F-35 fifth-generation fighters will not be enough? It's basically because we don't want to risk them going down considering the cost.
1: Exactly. Well, it's certainly a major factor. But the other thing that's coming out is that there are, there are, there's ways to network a series of drones to so that you have the F thirty five or or the joints uh, one of the, the Super Hornet, perhaps operating as the kind of the mothership to to control a a, a swarm of, uh, of uh, uncrewed aerial vehicles that, uh, you know, the one that the Boeing has uh, built in Australia with Australian design is the Loyal Wingman um, and uh, the BAE systems crowd have come out with another one called, they're calling it Strix, uh, complementary but different capabilities. So, it's actually clever, but they've gone for different markets and they've also gone for local manufacturing components. So, they're trying to appeal to Australian designers, Australian in- enterprise, knowing that the government is much is much more sympathetic to um, any, any enterprise that's going to include Australian componentry and Australian business opportunities. Yeah, I was reading about the
0: Loyal Wingman that was uh, released in 2019 today, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but this didn't have a lethal payload capacity. This is the first drone, and we don't actually know what this drone is called that was released today, do we?
1: Yeah, no, it's called the Strix. The Strix. Uh, it's a Perth-based company in Overo, apparently. Oh, okay. Um, with a payload of up to 160 kilograms, that can carry carry it over 800 kilometres, and and but the thing is, it can take off and land vertically, so it can accompany helicopters, um, and that's that's a really interesting capability. So it can go with, uh, you know, the army tends to operate helicopters, the air force tends to tends to operate fighters and support aircraft, and the Loyal Wingman is really designed to complement the Joint Strike Fighter capability. Uh, It actually looks a little bit like a Joint Strike Fighter itself. It's got a stealthy, sleek uh, outline, very cool-looking aircraft, I have to say, Um, and uh, it's been tested a couple of times now. The US Air Force has shown interest in it, and it looks like that may well be the key platform into the future, but there's a range of other types of uh, uh, uncrewed aerial vehicles as well. So the, the Navy operates some off their off their, uh, their frigates. The Army operates uh, a, a range of uh, what they call the Shadows and they previously operated the uh, Israeli Heron aircraft successfully in, a, in Afghanistan. These provided surveillance and support to patrols, uh, time-sensitive support to patrolling. Um, now, they weren't used as weapon platforms, but they were used as sensors that were complementary to the weapon systems and that they were able to cue the weapon system. So we've seen a little bit of it in, in, in the kind of the way the Ukrainians have used drones, but on a bigger scale, essentially. Um, so there's lots of – a suite of potential options there. And, of course, Avalon is grand central station for all of this this week as well.
0: Yeah, I've known a few ABC cameramen that are pretty lethal with a drone, uh, but, of course, uh, <laughs> that was <laughs> – Largely unofficial. Uh, of course, the news today that Australia has uh, released its first lethally, well, designed, Australian designed drone uh, with a lethal payload. John Bolaxland is here. Uh, we're talking about how the technology is changing. I do want to ask you about this, um, I suppose, the defence uh, strategic review. Is today's release the strongest hint yet that air capability will be the biggest feature in that upcoming review?
1: So, it is certainly a very strong indicator of the Defence Strategic Review's direction. And we've heard other hints as well about long-range strike, about precision munitions, about muscling up the Air Force and the Navy, and even giving the Army long-range precision uh, strike capabilities um, that will be complemented by the ability to see where you're putting your shells. Um, so that's the drones are going to be critically important to that. Uh, but they're also going to be critically important to protecting those assets uh, out in, you know, wherever we end up plonking them, be it on the on the borders, you know, Australia, Northern Australia or somewhere in uh, the archipelago to Australia's north if we do get to deploy them. And this is already starting to happen on exercises with our neighbours, kind of thinking about how we can collaborate for, you know, in the pursuit of our mutual interests. But it's, I think it's an important point I wanted to make also, and that is that um, this is these are not auto- – we talk about autonomous weapon systems. These are not autonomous. They are semi-autonomous. And that's a very important legal and ethical <laughs> distinction. So the Australian Defence Force does not operate autonomous systems. That way, we only operate ones that have a human in the loop, and that have a that are involved in decision making about how they are used, and they're, how their and their training is very much centred on the the restraints imposed by the laws of armed conflict. And I think that's that's what every Australian wants to hear too. We don't want to be associated with the kind of um, you know the Shahid type drones that the Iranians have supplied the Russians. That just kind of like the V one bomber in World War Two that just runs out of fuel and then lands and smashes into whatever's in its sights, you know, be it schools, hospitals, streets, uh, you know, civilian infrastructure. That's just unconscionable behaviour and that's not what we're talking about with the Australian drone options. Just lastly and briefly,
0: John, uh, to a layman like me, it's it sort of it's sounds like these drones... It's easier than ever to hear your favourite I mean, no local that, that and drones national drones ABC radio stations, live defense, and on demand um, on the you know, ABC Listen app. So, Do we read between the lines here that these drones will be more acquired and developed for engagement and for a potential future conflict?
1: So it's interesting you say that because it's, I think, a little bit of an oversimplification to think about only the submarines or the Joint Strike Fighters being about deterrence. Deterrence only happens if you have a combined arms joint team where all aspects of a potential battle are are handled with the best kit possible, with a professionally trained force, and uh, acutely prepared for the contingencies that may arise. It's a bit like a game of rock, paper, scissors. If you only have the rock and the paper, the scissors will get you eventually, you know, Um, and uh, this is the thing, so we need... You need a suite of things, you need the drones, you need the long range strike, you need the fighters, you need the ships, you need the armoured vehicles because nobody knows the future. And people, uh, you know, there are pundits out there saying, oh, all we need to do is get more joint strike fighters and submarines and that'll be it. Well, the problem is that if you situate your appreciation that way, any potential adversary will realise that that's not where your weaknesses lie, so they'll go elsewhere. And it's about presenting a more difficult target, a more challenging threat prospect, to a would-be adversary while at the same time sending a message, hey, let's not even think about going there. Let's just hold hands and sing Kumbaya. <laughs> I'm being a little bit silly, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Uh, maybe a bit of paper-scissors-rock
0: as well. Uh, we'll have to leave it there. Professor John Blacksland, do appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on the program. Uh, he's a professor in intelligence studies and international security at the ANU and a former army colonel